many gifts, many parts. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many, but in fact that God has arranged a part of the body, in the body, every one of them is just as he wants to be. As if they were all one part, where would he, where would the body be? As if there are many parts but one body, the eye cannot say to the head, I don't need you, and the head cannot say that the I don't need you. All right, as, uh, as Cooper said, many, uh, one body, many gifts. <laughs> I hope I get that, uh, keep that right during, our, uh, during the message. Um, one body, many gifts. Roger, how are we doing? Are we recording? Oh, we are, we're even recording well. Um, you really can get that video right on the world, uh, worldrenew.net slash um, hunger or world hunger. Um, the link is in the in, in the insert, and it's uh, it's well worth watching. So I apologize for the uh, the mix up. Um, we are at that that chapter in First Corinthians where Paul gives us the clearest picture of the church in in his letter, um, a body, uh, and it's a beautiful beautiful picture. Um, that answers for me an awful lot of questions about what it means to be this gathering right here. Um, and Cooper has already read the, our main text. Many different kinds of gifts, one spirit. Different kinds of service, one Lord. Different kinds of working together. But the same God who works all of them in each one of us. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, if, you, if you have your 1 Corinthians poster out, You'll notice that we're in the, the gathering part, the part of where, where Paul's addressing how the church actually works when it gets together, and we're working in this part for just these few weeks um, before we move to a, a holiday series. Um, and if you focus in a little bit more, you'll see that we're on that the body, the church is a body, and we've got hands and feet and a head and all these different parts that are working together. But Paul's main point is going to be that we're working together for the common good. And that has not changed as we, from when we started 1 Corinthians several weeks ago to when we finished several weeks from now. This is our, kind of our summary text in, in, in the book. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So whether you eat or drink or get together to be a church, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble. And we've talked about stumbling with regard to food and stumbling with regard to, with regard to immorality and stumbling with regard to divisions in the church. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks outside or anybody inside the church of God, even as Paul himself tried to please everyone in every way. Um, and Paul, is not seeking, Paul says, don't seek your own good, but the good of the many, so that they might be saved. Follow my example as I follow Christ. Um, Paul's encouragement to the church in Corinth, uh, Paul's, the Spirit's encouragement to the church in Anacortes in the 21st century, 
Father, as we open up your word one more time, I, I would ask that, that, that we would see you at work in this precious, precious gathering you call the body of Christ. And Father, this morning, um, show us how to, uh, how to serve each other even more effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Cooper got us started on the text, so I don't even think I'm going to read the whole text. I'm just going to jump right in and, um, and uh, give a few summary statements. Um, number one, Paul is still assuming that, um, that we're going to have no divisions. He begins 1 Corinthians by saying, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, not to have any divisions among you, that you would agree together. And, and so what he's going to say with regard to suing each other and immorality in the church and food sacrifice to idols um, is, uh, I'm going to ask you to agree on this. And he even says something as strong as, we have no other practices nor do any of the churches of God. Um, uh, th this, is, this is important stuff because it's going to help us avoid those divisions. He mentions those, those divisions again in, uh, in verse 25 where he says, as Cooper read, um, the eye can't say in the foot, I don't need you. Um, we're a body so that there may be no divisions among us. Uh, we, we start with that. Um, and what we're talking about in the church, these ways in which the manifestation of the Spirit is worked out as we serve each other, which is our working definition of spiritual gifts in the church, um, these are actually grace gifts. They are, in Greek, charismata. Charis, great, mana, how it works out. They're grace gifts. They're also called pneumatikos, expressions of the Spirit. And Paul switches back and forth between those two names for what we call spiritual gifts in the church here. Um, and Paul's going to assume that these spiritual gifts are plural. There are many of them, and he's going to list them at the end of this chapter. They are apostles, they are prophets, they are teachers, they are workers of miracles, they are administrators. All these gifts in the church so that we can serve each other. He's going to assume that the gifts are plural, they are many. Which is interesting, because in Galatians 5 and 6, Paul uses singular verbs to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? But the gifts of the Spirit are. And so we're going to let that fruit of the Spirit is something that gets expressed in our lives. The gifts of the Spirit are these things that get expressed in our lives. I think it's because fruit is, we're all supposed to exhibit those fruit, that fruit, those fruit, that fruit. The singular, which way, which, can I need a grammar, which, which, which would I do? That fruit, okay, I got, I got um, somebody working on her dissertation said that, so we'll go, we'll go with that. That fruit, um, singular, we're all supposed to exhibit the fruit. Gifts, plural, because as Cooper said, um, God gives those gifts to each one as he determines. Gifts, plural, fruit, singular. We'll, uh, we'll see how that works. Um, and Paul says something very interesting about these gifts, these parts of the body. Um, that these that some of them are special. Some of them require special modesty. Paul uses that word. Um, and we respect them more, just like some parts of the body require special modesty, and we respect those parts more. Um, and I would say that this whole modesty idea is just as countercultural in the 21st century as it was for Paul in 1st century Corinth where the 
Greek Roman culture was anything but modest. Um, and uh, so we will, we have to think about what it means that those gifts that we might think are are um, special that deserve a, a, a more protection in, in the body. Uh, that we, we treat them with modesty. We say those are gifts that we have special care for. We take care of especially. Be thinking about what gifts might be the, the modest ones among us. Um, and finally, these gifts, sometimes called pneumaticos, expressions of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, sometimes called charismata, grace gifts, these are the way in which the Spirit empowers His church to serve. They are never given for my benefit. They are simply given so that the church can more effectively serve. And um, that those are our starting points for this thing we call um, uh, spiritual gifts in the church. Now, the picture Paul used... Oh, one, one, one last thing. I, I put this picture of Ray Stedman. Does anybody know that name, Ray Stedman? Oh, we got one. Oh, I, oh Jackie, I would, you were a Californian at that time. I would expect you to know who Ray Stedman is. Way back in, uh, in the dark ages of the evangelical church, this guy named Ray Stedman wrote a book called Body Life, which absolutely changed the way the church looked at um, fellowship and, uh, and service inside the church. It really did. Um, this is one of the most influential books of the, of the latter half of the 20th century. Um, it just so happened that one of Ray Stedman's disciples was, a, was the person with whom I lived during my early seminary days, who actually, he and Vicki performed my wedding. Dan and Vicki went to their church when they were um, uh, a, a young couple in uh, California, and they worked at, uh, at Stanford University. Um, so uh, this, this whole idea of what it means to be the body is something that um, I've been thinking a lot about all the way since I lived with Dan and Vicki Barrow way back in the uh, in the early 80s, um, and that's a long time ago. So I, this is this is not something new. This is something that we've been thinking about for a long time. Okay, so how does this body thing work? The body's a unit. It's made up of many parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, or more literally, so it is with the Christ, the body of Christ. Somehow, this thing we do together, this body of Christness that we do together, is going to be reflected in how a body works. The body's not made of one part, but of many. Now, Paul has in mind, of course, the image of a human body with you know, hands and feet and elbows and knees and a head and a neck. Um, if I were going to rewrite this for the 21st century, um, I would probably not use the body image. I would probably use the image of a cell. Um, now, Paul, of course, didn't have the science that we have uh, 20 centuries later to be able to, to talk about a cell. But I think that the cell even better reflects the parts of the cell working together, even as they serve one purpose. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful picture that if you took one of those parts of the cell out, the cell would not function. You could lose a hand, and the body would not be as effective. But if you lost the nuclear body in the cell, it would not function. Um, and uh, I, I really like that, that picture. So as you just think, just for a minute, 
about how the body works, moving from biology to ecclesiology, right? From how a body or a cell works and how necessary each part is to how the church works, Paul gives a bunch of different ideas. One, the, uh, the, uh, the body, the cell, reflects the purpose its designer has for us. Each part of the body has a particular purpose. Each part of the cell has a particular purpose. And um, when you find your purpose, uh, uh, you, you find out where God actually has you to serve in this thing we call the body of Christ or the church. Um, and, uh, and Paul says that each one of us has a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. To another, uh, means of grace. To another, the uh, gift of healing. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them each as he determines. Um, the, the purpose is reflected. Now, secondly, a, a body, and I like the picture of a cell, has to be able to take in energy. It has to be able to take in and then, well, if we're talking about biology, we would say metabolize it. I'm looking at my undergraduate microbiology major. Did you smile at that? What's that? Doing good. Okay. Um, I get really nervous when I give physics examples with uh, with Wendland in the congregation. Um, I get to be really careful with biology examples when a microbiologist is in the is in the, in the church. Um, the the word metabolism is simply from the from the Greek to change. You take in energy because you are changing, and this body has to be able to take in energy and and and, and actually metabolize so that it can carry out its purposes. Um, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul starts off by saying, I always thank God because of his grace given for you, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge, and he could go through all the spiritual gifts at that point. Um, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you wait for Jesus to be revealed in you. Um, the reality is, we have all the Holy Spirit we need, we have all the spiritual gifts we need, we have all the energy this cell needs to carry out the purpose for which God has asked for. Um, uh, we're, the, the metabolism process is at work. And a body that doesn't grow and change is a body that is deficient in something, right? Um, we would call it unhealthy. Um, this body is supposed to grow. It's designed to grow. This cell is de designed to develop. Um, in fact, the purpose God has for his body is clearly stated in, uh, in Ephesians. So that we will no longer be infants, little teeny bodies, tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and every um, and crafty, uh, and the cunning and craftiness of men and deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up to him who is the head, the head of the body, um, that is Christ. In him this whole body is joined and held together. By every supporting as by every supporting ligament as it grows and builds itself up in love as every part does its work, that the growth of the body depends on each part doing its work, which brings a really really serious question to anybody in church work, and that is what happens if one part of the body decides, oh, I don't want to contribute. I'm not taking my money. I I don't want to contribute to the health of the body by 
reflecting the manifestation of the Spirit given to me in this body, um, I'm going to sit this one out. What happens to the church? Uh, yeah. At best, it's not effective. At worst, it shrivels and dies, right? Um, that, that each part is, is necessary for the body to grow. Um, the next thing, I, I, as I think about this, um, those parts are designed to serve the body, not to be served, which reflects both Jesus' mission, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a, as a ransom for many, um, but also the purpose of the body, to serve and not to be served. None of the gifts are given for my own benefit. They're always given so that I would be a blessing to others. 1 Peter 4, our great bucket passage. Each one should give whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's gifts. Remember? Um, excuse me. Faithfully administering God's grace. These are great gifts. Faithfully administering, God, administering God's grace in all its various forms. If it's speaking, speak. If it's serving, serve with all the strength God provides. For all things, God might be praised. So we've got purpose, we've got metabolism, we've got growth, we've got service. Um, the last thing I was thinking about is, how does the body or the cell get its directions? How does it know what to do? Oh, okay, it's got this DNA stuff, yeah. Um, now the DNA in, in the cell, it tells which parts of the cell to release what enzyme and perform what function at, at what given time and what the final design of that cell is going to be. Is it going to be a liver cell? Is that? Yeah. yeah we, we, got, we got all these things in the cell. Um, I wasn't hoping to get that technical that fast. <laughs> okay, yeah. So in a body, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable saying the head tells the body what to do. The brain, you know, communicates with the rest of the body and tells the body what to do. Um, and in this in this picture up here, we might we might be tempted to say, well, that must mean that's the elder's job to be the head, right? And direct the body what to do. To which most of you should very quickly say, hold on a second. Uh, Linda is shaking her head quite vigorously no to that statement um, because nowhere in the text, uh, anywhere in the New Testament, any scripture, does it say that the elders are the head. Right? It, it, just, it never, it never, it never says that. Um, it says exactly the opposite, that the elders are just one more part of the body, right? That, um, that, that, uh, that, that functions like all the other parts. Um, th that the head is given a particular uh, title in body language in the New Testament. The head is Jesus, right? Christ. That he's the head of the church. Um, the purpose comes from him, the directions come from him, and his primary way of directing his church is by, not DNA, but by his word. Um, and so we have, we have this interesting, interesting change that all of a sudden the, the direction for this head, for this body, are really coming from, in a sense, outside of it. They're coming from the directions are coming from Christ 
the head of his church, the head of the body, who has given us his directions uh, on how we're going to operate. Um, which means that the leadership inside the church, their the job is not to decide what the church is supposed to do. That's already been decided. Or even decide, really, how the church is supposed to do that. That's been decided. Or to distribute gifts in the church, decide who's going to do what. That's already been determined. Gifts have been determined. What is the job of um, teachers slash elders in the church? Okay, edification, um, teaching, I, I would say it this way, to administer, to steward, to um, guide the gift, the gifted ones in the church so that we can work together. Um, it's an administration job. It is um, earning tax kind of kind of job, right? That, that it's not to actually decide what direction to go. That's been decided. The head makes that decision. It is to help the, to help the, uh, the church um, discern their gifts. Remember, one of the gifts is discernment of gifts. To discern the gifts. One of the gifts is discernment of prophecy. To say, are we hearing God well? Those are the things that the leadership of the church is about. Um, and as we meet tomorrow afternoon, those will be the things that we talk about. Um, are we hearing God right about this? What gifts do we need to encourage in, in the church as we, as, we, um, as we grow together? So not to, we've already got ahead. Um, the, the leadership serves mostly to, uh, to administer. What's that? That coordinate the gifts. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a word we could, we could go with. Okay, so we have taken chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and kind of talked about it in 15 minutes. Um, we'll come back to it next week. Because next week we're going to finally answer the question of what's the fundamental rule for how these body parts work together. There's going to be one fundamental rule for how they work together, and we get that next week. That's a, that's a little hint. If you know how 1 Corinthians is, uh, is divided up, 1 Corinthians 13 following 1 Corinthians 12 for a reason, um, because 1 Corinthians 13 is so very rarely practiced well by the 1 Corinthians. 12 church. Um, you might look ahead at that. Um, so next week we're going to talk about the fundamental rule. I, I want to I end this week by just by reflecting on four things that the, the, the church picture, I mean the body picture of the church has helped me think about in terms of, of what we do, in terms of being the body of Christ, um, uh, in terms of serving um, each other and uh, serving this world. Uh, four answers that I can 1 Corinthians 12 help me find. The first is a philosophical question. Um, and uh, when, you, when you take a philosophy of religion class, one of the first questions you deal with is the question of the one and the many. How do you get from one God to a church that expresses, the, that manifests the presence of God in so many different ways? And what, what I think 1 Corinthians helps us determine is this, um, that if we have, if we, if we view God as strictly a, a single being, a, a unitary God, I, and I'll use especially the example of Islam, 
where God is one and God is totally other. That, that, that Allah cannot have uh, direct interaction with, with creation, with this, with this world. Um, you have a, a difficult time um, in inserting grace into your system. That in unitary religions, um, grace is a huge challenge. And in many of the religions in which God is many, the, the, the value of the individual becomes a real challenge. That in many of the religions where God is many, the, the goal of the individual is to be absorbed into the, into the, the manyness of the cosmic mind and lose your personality. Um, why um, Nirvana then is called Nirvana the man. Uh, that's, uh, that's, just, that's just why. Um, but Christianity helps us move from the one to the many because the one himself is many. And this text actually begins with the clue to the question that so many philosophers of religion have struggled with. There are different kinds of gifts but one spirit, different kinds of service but one Lord, different kinds of working but one. And from the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, we have an appeal to God who arrives, who, who comes to reveal himself to us, not as a unitary or as a poly, but as a threeness. We call it the Trinity. Um, and it's the threeness of God. The fact that in God himself there is love and relationship that is then reflected in how the church operates. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna say something that um, that makes that makes Christianity sound a little bit uh, arrogant sometimes, but I just I just think it's true that it's this oneness, it's this threeness of God that actually allows us to be the body together in a way that makes sense to me. Um, there's a philosophical answer, and we can talk. I'd love to talk more about that um, later if that if you want if you want to hear more. But I just I think First Corinthians 12 answers for me that uh, that one three many question that philosophers of religion have been struggling with for. Uh, for centuries. Um, now, on something that might be a little more interesting to you, that's uh, interesting to me. Um, the second thing that this text begins to answer for me is um, which gift is most important? Now, we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 13, eagerly desire the greater gift, and Paul's going to tell us what it is. But I'm asking a little bit different question. Which church, which gift is most important for me carrying out my purpose here? And the answer to that question for each one of us is the gift that I have been given. Um, and, and my goal is to use that gift for the other's good, not causing anyone to stumble. And so I'm simply going to say the most important gift is the one God is helping you discern that you have right now and that we should be um, uh, using to bless each other. Uh, it's a, we're going to spend a whole sermon on it next week. Why that particular one we're going to talk about next week is the greatest gift. Um, the most important one is the one I've been given to serve you. Um, the third question, and, and this is one that, that, came, that, um, that, that BJ began to hint at in his prayer time this morning. This text has
has one of the most powerful fellowship uh, verses in the entire New Testament. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Do you have a sense of how important that is for being the church together? That, that if one part of the body is suffering, that every part of the body is suffering with it. Now, we usually talk about this this um, this idea just in terms of the local church. I, I, I was challenged this week to think about this much more in terms of the church global, the church little c Catholic universal. Um, especially as I, uh, I spent some time with um, with brothers and sisters uh, in in Vetjala this week. Um, I didn't travel except by Zoom, but uh, but had a chance just to hear um, what the conflict in the Middle East right now, the, the effect the conflict in the Middle East right now is having on brothers and sisters who live on both sides of the wall. And there were people at that meeting um, who have lost loved ones in this conflict. Um, and there are Christians in Israel who have lost loved ones in this conflict. And um, if, if you want to know what my two fundamental things to say about this conflict are, um, Audrey now knows, because she asked me this morning, and um, it became a very long answer. Um, but, but anytime the church, a part of our body universal is hurting, um, we should be hurting with it. And um, at some point, I'm going to have to uh, cut back the amount of time I'm spending each day keeping up with what's happening with my Palestinian uh, brothers and sisters and my Israeli brothers and sisters. Um, but I, I, I'm just, I'm, this text struck me in a, in a new way this week. When one part suffers, all the parts suffer. Um, that, that we're in a, a, a moment in, in history when um, uh, the, the body is, uh, is suffering. And well, you know, how do you move on from that? Um, lastly, uh, you, you might ask, um, I just I heard that list of gifts that you read. Some interesting list of gifts, right? In First Corinthians chapter twelve. Let's find the right one. Now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part in it. And in the church of God, very, very, very easily, Paul goes, "You're the body of Christ. You're the church of God. There is no transition there." Um, he's appointed apostles and prophets and teachers and those working miracles and those having gifts of healing and gifts of administration and different kinds of tongues. And um, He doesn't mention missionaries. Did it, did it strike anybody who, who read 1 Corinthians 12 that there's no gift of missionaries? Did it strike you as strange? It did me. If part of Paul's goal is that um, the many would be saved, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, um, and now he comes and talks about the church, 
and he gives it to the church in which not one of the gifts is a missionary. Am I the only one that strikes weird? <laughs> um, and the, the principle at work, the answer to that very serious question is that a healthy church is God's mission plan for every community. And uh, the reason why local churches are so important is because we are God's missionary plan. Um, your presence in Anacortes is God's plan for reaching Anacortes. Um, and the presence of a body here in which to enfold people is God's plan for that, that many would be saved right here in Anacortes. And maybe that's the most important reason to strengthen a church so that every gift is expressed in meaningful and, uh, and just powerful ways inside this body. Serving each other and being God's plan for reaching and accordance. Father, thank you for the, uh, the privilege this morning of spending time with Paul's picture But I, I thank you more that, uh, that you really have gifted this church with, the, uh, with what we need to be your body right here. And Father, we look forward to seeing your body grow and your body works right here in Anacortes. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me?